Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews. I just got back from Vegas, and it feels like the whole league is talking about Kevin Durant. So Adrian Wojnarowski, he's standing by out in Vegas to give us the latest updates on KD. But before we get to that, there are some plays that you need to see from over the weekend. We in the game. We're in Vegas, so we'll take some showtime. Slicing, dicing, and the crowd is loving. He is open. Ooh, there were some incredibly exciting moments at Thomas and Mac this weekend. I think my favorite may have been the sudden death overtime, but still, Kevin Durant dominated the conversation at Summer League. And with so many questions flying around, it's time to parse out what we know, what we think and then what we want to happen with Kevin Durant. So I want to start with what we know, and let's start with the man there's no one who knows more than him, who is more plugged in in the NBA. It's senior insider Adrian Wojnarowski. And Woj, you were in Vegas along with the entire NBA world. What's the latest with Kevin Durant? And Malika, the, the Nets asking price for Kevin Durant remains steep. And, you know, they're trying to await teams and trying to get teams to meet that price. And that's certainly multiple draft picks, uh, all-star level players, uh, you know, listen, they want a, retor- a return, you know, that speaks to the stature of who Kevin Durant is, where he is in his career, 34 years old, a player, you know, with four years left on his contract. They don't have to be in a rush to do a deal. They do have time on their side, especially because of the time of the year this is. And again, a player with four years left on his deal. And Sean Marks came out to Vegas with the intent of talking with other team executives about mm. Kevin Durant. That's been going on, uh, but the Nets asking price, certainly um, it is steep and it is, uh, I think, going to allow this to be a process that goes on because there's really no motivation for the Nets to rush into a deal or to move quickly on a deal unless it's something they continue, consider you know, something of a monumental return for Durant. So general manager Sean Marks is out in Las Vegas, and so is Kyrie Irving. He was there for a couple of days. We watched him take in a few games. What more can you tell us about where things stand with him? Yeah, Brooklyn's really focused on Kevin Durant and trying to figure out if there's a deal to be had for him. 
in the marketplace. I think Kyrie Irving is on the back burner of that. Mm. Uh, you know, there were conversations with the Lakers last week. You know, I'm told that that's not continued. I think both sides know where they stand. And I think for the Nets, uh, you know, getting a clear indication of what the future looks like with Kevin Durant uh, before they uh, make any decision on how Kyrie Irving fits into that, uh, that's the sense other teams have uh, with the situation. And I think it's the sense of what the Nets are doing. So uh, I think their focus with the Nets right now is figuring out, is there a deal out there for Kevin Durant? And I think Kyrie Irving is uh, secondary to that. And I think his future may be, you know, uh, decided off of how the Nets uh, operate and the kind of decisions they make around KD. Woj, thank you so much for that. Enjoy the rest of Summer League and Las Vegas if you can. So that's exactly what we know. And I want to shift a little bit to what we think, but we just heard something very interesting from Woj. We had talked in the past about whether or not we could have seen Kyrie as the first domino to fall instead of Kevin Durant, and now it seems that that is the inverse. So I do want to bring in someone who's able to prognosticate not only what's going on in Utah, but the entire league. It's senior writer Brian Windhorst. And Brian, based on what you are hearing, what do you think is going to happen with Kevin Durant and Kyrie here? Yeah, we're probably into a stalemate here, Malika. It's not unusual from what we've seen in other star trades in other years. Uh, the Kawhi Leonard trade to Toronto is an example of this. Uh, Dwight Howard about a decade ago with something that didn't happen to Los Angeles until August, where their asking price and the market value is there's a delta in between, and it takes some takes an event in some cases to make those things uh, fall together. Mm. In this case, what we might watch for is any communication from Kevin Durant himself about what, if, if he were to come out and say, um, his feelings about potentially returning to the Nets, for example, which is something that hasn't been ruled off the table if the Nets can't find a deal that they like. Um, or maybe a comment about what teams he may or may not have interest in. Um, but that may not happen at all, and not, nothing may happen for a while. There may be a decision by the Nets at some point to reduce their what they're looking for, yeah. but they don't have to do that, certainly shouldn't do that this early in the process. So my guess is we're going to be stuck here for a while until something else comes in and changes the situation. Stuck, watching, waiting, and listening to see what happens with Kevin Durant and with Kyrie Irving here. Thanks, Brian. Please do not go too far because we're going to get into so much more here on NBA Today, but I also want to know what we want to happen. And this is sort of threefold, because I imagine what Kevin Durant wants, what the Brooklyn Net wants, and what fans want, it could potentially be different. But those first two, they need to line up in order for us to see a trade. So what should we want to happen, Kendrick Perkins? Well, what I want to happen is I want Kevin Durant to go to the Phoenix Suns mm. and play alongside Devin Booker and CP3 and be coached by Monty Williams. I want Kyrie Irving playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Again, when Kyrie Irving played alongside LeBron James in the playoffs, that record was 39-13. and 13. Kyrie Irving was – that was at his stage of his career where he was the most consistent for his playing at an elite level. Now, I say that to say this, Malika. We are still talking about Kevin Durant. Giannis and Dwight Howard, at the time that they got traded, was nowhere in the stratosphere of Kevin 
the rent. Mm. So what this is telling me is, again, what I said a week ago to you, is that teams are reluctant, reluctant to give up their young superstars. And now I'm starting to question, what is the real value of a 34-year-old Kevin Durant and how he's viewed throughout the NBA? I always use this analogy. It's a difference, but you want to, it's a difference between being popular and powerful. Being powerful means you move the needle and you move the needle fast. Right now, Kevin Durant don't look powerful. Well, we know you mentioned the Phoenix Suns, that they are one of the preferred landing spots for Kevin Durant, but they also have a domino that needs to fall, and it's mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, right? So, Brian, how is his future playing a role in all of this? Yeah, so he's uh, really been in this uh, restricted free agency limbo, Malika, which we sometimes see for players in this position. And the reason this is complicating is because as a member of the Phoenix Suns, um, as they're having potential discussions with the Nets about Kevin Durant, his free agency was sort of tied up in it. And while the Nets may not necessarily want to sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton, a, a potential trade for DeAndre Ayton for other pieces, could potentially have been involved in a Durant deal. But that may be running out of time on that because Mm. the Indiana Pacers over the weekend finalized their trade with Malcolm Brogdon with the Boston Celtics. That opened up a bunch of salary cap space. Now, they're not quite at the max salary cap space that DeAndre uh, Ayton has been known to want. But the Pacers have met with Ayton, they have interest in Ayton, and they have had some discussions progressing towards potentially an offer sheet with with DeAndre Ayton. And and the whole league is keeping an eye on that uh, to see if the Pacers actually go ahead and give the offer sheet because they're an organization that typically doesn't give out offer sheets. And two, if that happens, um, whether or not the, the Suns would match. But either way on that, in the event of an offer sheet, he can't be traded. He can't be traded by the Suns. He can't be traded by the Pacers until January 15th. It would essentially take him out of this process altogether. And, um, you know, if that if that if the Suns end up matching and keeping him, having him on their books, for whatever that salary would be, would potentially be a factor in how much they could trade for Kevin Durant in some sort of deal. Perk, how do you digest all this? How <laughs> I digest food. <laughs> Real fast. So, but look, here's here's the question. Here's seriously. Here's the question that I have. That I, I, I I'm being serious. At what point, though, right when as the season uh, starts to come, like for us getting close to the training camp, and say that a deal has not been made and KD hasn't been traded traded yet, when are teams going to start decide start deciding to say, you know what? We got to worry about now and worry about what's going on in our organization and start actually not even entertaining the Brooklyn Nets for us, Kevin Durant. Like, I believe it's going to come a point. So, Malika, I'm asking you and Brian, do like, do y'all have like an idea or can y'all help me out with that? Because if, if I'm in the front office, sooner or later I'm going to say, you know what? I got to worry about what, I, what I'm going to do with this squad right now. Okay, sure. I put an offer out there. Brooklyn didn't want it. I got to move forward. 
Well, I, I think that, Brian, and, and you can speak to this as well, but being out in Las Vegas for a couple of days, the sense that I got is it would happen in weeks or we would be going back to potentially training camp and seeing some familiar faces like Kevin Durant in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. But when the season mm. starts and folks see how their teams are shaping up, what's missing and what's not, then you can see more movement. And that's whether it's, it's with someone like Kevin Durant or with someone else. Brian, what, what's your sense there? It's just so unusual, Malika, to have a star player with four years on his contract ask for this type of trade. And I know we saw this last year with Ben Simmons, but this is even a different level. The players that we have seen ask for Mm -hmm. trades in the past, I mentioned Kawhi Leonard earlier, have had one year or maybe one year and a little bit extra on their contract. And that changes the leverage play. That is something that we are a little bit in uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. And that is why the Nets, and it's justifiable, are asking for a price here. But the offers are coming in here. Right. And, I mean, I don't know where that's going to – there's no roadmap right now to see where that's going to go. But, Brian, if memory serves with Kawhi, mm. the, the Raptors, they came in with an offer. It wasn't necessarily taken up immediately. There was some time that passed. They saw the rest of the offers that came in. The Raptors' offer it didn't change. It was good, don't get me wrong, involving a, a DeMar DeRozan, someone who, number one, was beloved by the organization and is also an excellent player. But maybe it wasn't initially what uh, they had in mind. And then a couple of months later, once sort of surveying the landscape, it was like, okay, now we can get this deal done. Malika, that is exactly this right. This is what I got to you know, say. We know that Toronto mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. one of the teams that is bidding in here. And if Toronto was able to hold their price and end up getting Kawhi Leonard, why wouldn't they enter this? Why wouldn't Masai Ujiri wonder if he's got the best offer maybe, if they wouldn't hold their price and maybe this, that would come down for Kevin Durant? Those are certainly positions that are easier to take in mid-July than in mid-August or even mid-September. Perk? I I know I keep saying this and I'm sounding like a broken record, but we are talking about Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I still I still can't like this this doesn't make sense to me. Kevin Durant is on the market. Kevin Durant is available. Yeah. Like what's Kevin But teams are hesitant to give up some of their young stars, but Kevin also wants to play with those young stars. So that's the balance here, Perk, and we've talked about it since since Kevin Durant requested that trade uh, a week and change ago, is that the balance is that, yes, it's Kevin Durant, but if a team is to give up all of those young stars and all of those young assets, what is left to come back to? And that's what we're going to continue to keep tabs on. Coming up, though, on NBA Today... Mm. Not all things happen in Vegas and stay in Vegas, including the drama that surrounds the Lakers. So are we nearing a resolution? And nobody is safe from John Morant these days, including Michael Jordan. Hear what G12 had to say about, quote, cooking him. Plus, Steph, he put the Celtics to sleep en route to his first finals MVP. But how do those skills translate to the golf course? I mean, I think pretty well, but find out next on NBA Today. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. 
Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. performance from Steph there. We had the, the football, we had the basketball, we had golf, celebrity tournament in Lake Tahoe. I miss Tahoe. Uh, Warriors reporter Kendra Andrews joins Perk, Brian, and me <laughs> now. Hey, Perk, I'd pay some good money to see you swing a golf club. Uh, not me. Not me. I tried it once, never again. Never I'm again. Telling you, you don't want to see that. No, you don't, I, I yeah, think, you don't want to see that. I think I, think I do. Uh, Steph, though, clearly enjoying his summer vacation. But some of the young Warriors, they are at work in Vegas at Summer League, including James Wiseman. He made his long-awaited return to the floor last night, played 20 minutes, scored 11 points. That's what the numbers say. But, uh, Kendra, what are the Warriors saying about his performance? Yeah, Malika, there's just a great sense of relief, right, that yeah. James finally played an official game of basketball. It's been three months, I think, or maybe more since he played those three G League games with the Warriors, the Santa Cruz Warriors. So there's just a great sense of relief. It's a lot of weight off of his shoulders and the Warriors' shoulders. And I spoke with a couple of members of the coaching staff, and their sentiment is this. Now we can finally see what we're actually working with and mm. really start to figure out what James's role is going to be with this team next season. And they're really emphasizing the fundamentals with him. You know, be a big roller. It's been a while since the Warriors have had a good big roller. Set screens. Be an elite rebounder. And James said, yeah, look, I only grabbed two boards in that game. I have to do better. And he said, there are a lot of areas of my game that I have to do better at. But, of course, right, because as we said, it's been a year and a half since yeah. he's played an NBA game. But again, it's just relief and excitement that he's finally on the court. He cleared that hurdle, and now they can really start to work him up and figure out what his identity is going to be with this team. Well, another warrior that was on display was Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, a game-high 28 points. What's the plan for him, for both players, really, for the remainder of Summer League? Mm -hmm. Well, the hope is that, well, the plan, I should say, is that Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman will play on Tuesday against the Celtics, along with Moses Moody, who did not play on Sunday because he was feeling under the weather. The Warriors would really like to see all three of those guys play together. The Warriors are going to have a practice here in Las Vegas in just a couple minutes, and that's going to give them a better evaluation of how each of them is doing and feeling. But the plan, the tentative plan, is for all three of those players to play on Tuesday, and then they'll go from there. All three of those players, that's Kaminga, Wiseman, and who, Big Perk? Moses. Moses Moody. 
Moody Moses, Moses Moody. Moody Moses. 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 Moody I think it's Jonathan Kaminga. Um, when you look at it, when you look at him, right? I'm watching. I watched him in summer league, and I was impressed by his playmaking. Okay, his skill set is already there. He's athletic as hell. One of the most athletic players in the NBA today. And so when I look at Jonathan Kamiga and what he could bring to the table, being so versatile, being able to go out there and be and switch one through fives on pick and rolls. Also being able when the Warriors do go small, him moving him to the five position, being that lob threat at the basket. Can I say this for a second? When I think about the Warriors, they have a unique situation like no other team in the NBA. They are set up for the next 10 years to be a title, a title contender every single year. Mm. They're the only team in basketball that have a great mixture of veterans and young guys. With Looney, Draymond, Clay, and Steph being the mentors and being the leaders of the ship to, to mentor these young guys in Poole, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moses Moody, um, and, and all the rest of these young guys that's coming up under them, once they pass the torch to them and take a back seat, the Warriors are going to be in, in great position for years to come. Brian? Yeah, Malika, so the guys that they lost, their role players, Otto Porter and Gary Payton II, are players that are, are filling a void that Kaminga needs to step into. They mm -hmm. are going to count on him to play a role next year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Wiseman is... You know, he's got incredible raw talent. Uh, Kaminga's gotten more, you know, experience. You know, they need him to, to play more. But I got to say, listening to this uh, interview, this podcast interview that the Warriors owner Joe Lacob gave, I mean, we already knew kind of how he felt about James Wiseman. But in that interview, you could just tell how excited he is about him. And he's effusive about him. He just had back surgery, but he went and watched him scrimmage five on five before the team even went to Vegas and then made sure he was there yeah. yesterday to watch uh, Wiseman's first game. So when the owner is such a believer in you and is excited about your potential, you're going to get opportunities at some point. So I think Kaminga will be the guy that's more in the, in the rotation at the start, but I promise you Wiseman's going to get his chance. All right, they still have Kavon Looney, who was incredible for them in the playoffs on their roster, so we'll see how that shakes out for the Warriors. Um, it's been roughly, what, eight, nine, ten minutes since we've talked about Kevin Durant. That's something that Golden State owner Joe Lacob did without really exactly doing on that podcast that you were talking about, Brian. So here he is with Tim Kawakami. I'm not going to comment specifically on any player. You know, you've heard, you know what this answer is going to be, <laughs> which is we will always look at any opportunities to make ourselves better, to try to win a championship. And if we thought it was something better to do for the team, we would do it. You know, we have to weigh short-term, long-term and all that. We have to weigh the financial uh, obligations in both scenarios. But we will do all that and, and make the decision we feel is best. So, Kendra, that sound has led to just a lot of discussion about the Warriors keeping the door open for a Durant return to the Bay Area. But how likely is that scenario? Look, Malika, it, it's not very likely that there is going to be a Warriors right. and Kevin Durant reunion in Golden State. Have the Warriors made calls? Have they reached out? Have they talked about it? Yes, as every team in the league has done, as you guys have established on this show, 
And look, there are a lot of different layers to this of why Kevin Durant could or could not come back to the Warriors. At the end of the day, though, it comes down to the trade package. And again, you guys have outlined on this show, the Warriors could probably have one of the best offers to give the Nets, right? You have a package that would have to include Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and multiple first-round picks. But as Perk just laid out and as Brian just laid out, those guys are going to have big roles with the team. Andrew Wiggins already had a big role. Jordan Poole has a contract. Both of those guys have contract extensions coming up. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, with the departures of GP2 and Otto Porter Jr., those guys are going to have increased roles. So it's not just about leveraging the future. It's about leveraging their present as well. And the Warriors really like this group that they have. They said they wanted to run it back with as many of these players as possible. And I don't see that changing right now. Yeah, it feels a little bit unrealistic, even if you do have to to make those calls. The Warriors, they're in an interesting situation. Uh, obviously, they were the champs, and now we will see what pieces that they're able to run it back with, how big of a role that they play, um, obviously with Steph Curry leading that group. Kendra Andrews, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Coming up, though, on NBA Today, how close are we to a LeBron and Kyrie reunion? We heard Woj report about it earlier, but Brian Windhorst on the latest Hollywood drama. Plus, oh gosh, we're going from the Lillard to the wall. I'm, I'm so sorry, Lil John. Uh, we hear from both players on their new contracts. And John Moran also says that he would cook Michael Jordan. All right, we're going to need to hear about that. NBA returns after the break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. They were both in Thomas and Mack Center on Friday. So was I. Uh, But they were sitting on opposite sides of the gym. They couldn't have been farther away from each other. Westbrook, he sat near the Lakers bench. LeBron was on the opposite baseline. And the former MVPs, I I didn't see them talking at all. They left independently at different points in the game. Russell Westbrook left around halftime. LeBron James left toward the end of the game. Wendy, are you reading anything into this non-interaction? Well, I think it's dangerous to to, you know, totally read into something when you just see a slice of their lives. But one thing I think we can say is that last year when Russell Westbrook was traded to the Lakers, LeBron and Russ were, you know, spending a lot of time together, totally palling around Los Angeles, working out together. They were totally invested in building that relationship. And I think it's safe to say that that's turned a little bit frosty. And, you know, the reality is this. The reality is that LeBron does want the Lakers uh, roster improved. 
Um, the, the way to do that is to trade Russell Westbrook. I don't think he's demanding Russell Westbrook to get traded. He just wants them to improve. I think the entire NBA knows that, including Russ. And I also think, Russ, it's not even about LeBron. Russ is really trying to build his relationship with the new coaching staff. He's, he's spent a lot of time with Darvin Ham to this mm-hmm. point, And he was sitting on the bench, sort of acting like a player coach during that half he was there. And I think he was trying to send a message of being a team player. And he would have mm-hmm. done that regardless of where LeBron was, was for that game. Park. <clears throat> well, let's, let's, let's just stop all the foolishness, okay? Here, here it is, all right? We all know that the Lakers want to get rid of Russell Westbrook. They want to trade him. Okay, let's get that out in the open. And we know that Russell Westbrook could feel the energy. And Russell Westbrook knows that. And guess what? The feelings are mutual because Russell Westbrook don't want to be there either. So at the end of the day, look, what we saw at the Summer League game, those guys sitting across from one another Mm. and not even going to greet one another in the public eye, to me, that speaks volumes to me, okay? Because guess what? With all the noise that's going on around the league and Kyrie Irving and things to that nature, if those, if if one of, if LeBron or Russ would have took the initiative to go over and greet one another, and they would have been caught on camera or in the public eye having a conversation, it would have silenced a lot of the noise. Not all of it, but some of it. Mm. See, here's the thing now, and I said this again last week. The Lakers got to be very, very careful again because if they don't get Kyrie Irving, you do not want to disgruntle Russell Westbrook coming into training camp. And I think what Darvin Ham and his coaching staff are doing is doing a hell of a job by making sure they keep a great relationship with Russell Westbrook just in case. Okay, so this whole situation calls for a little bit of chop it or drop it. I want to start right with the Lakers, new head coach Darvin Ham. He was asked about Westbrook during last night's game. Take a listen to what he said. Russ, in my opinion, man, he's in great shape. He's durable. Uh, and in this system, this four-out, one-in system, he's going to have a chance to screen and roll and make plays in the half roll. He's going to have a chance to run on the break, slash, get layups. He's going to have a chance to sprint out to the corner, flatten the defense, get corner threes, as well as the things that he already does well in terms of getting the ball and pushing the pace and pushing the tempo. So I'm excited as hell to have Russell Westbrook on our team. All right, Brian, what do you think? I want to chop it, but I I think I have to drop it because he's talking about Russell Westbrook being a screener. Russell played 78 (laughs) games last year, and he set 57 screens, 57 total screens. Now, granted, he's going to obviously be in a different role, I suppose, but my gosh, look at the rank. Now, he actually was a better corner three-point shooter than I thought. He shot 45% in the corner, and Darvin Ham, I'm sure, knows that. And I'm sure he's taking advantage of that. But he also is just a 29% catch-and-shoot player. Asking Russell Westbrook to, to play that is so different from the way he's played yeah. his whole career. I just I can't see it. Well, the rule in Chop It or Drop It is if one person drops it, then we drop it. But since I'm the host, I'm just going to chop just one little smidge of it. And it, it's this. It, it's, it's good. No, it's good. It, it's that... I do appreciate what Darvin Ham is doing here, and that is when we look at the relationship, Mm -hmm. and I I know our Lakers reporter Dave McMenamin mentioned this on the show the other day, when you look at the relationship between uh, Frank Vogel and Russell Westbrook, it was flawed sort of from the beginning, and Darvin Ham is not making that same uh, mistake, we can call it that, uh, if you will, in this situation. Okay, now we can move on. Perk, uh, let's switch it up to the all-star point guard that we know isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So take a listen to what Damian Lillard said at a news conference announcing his two-year extension with the Blazers. 
I've always said that if I do something that goes against who I am and say I do end up winning, I know me better than any of y'all know me. So I'd be happy with it because I don't think anybody wouldn't be happy being a champion, but it wouldn't be as fulfilling to me as, as I would want that moment to be. As long as I have an opportunity to do it, you know, a, a good opportunity to do it, I'm willing to, to go out however. Perk, chop it or drop it. Do you agree with Dame's thought process here? Well, can, one, can I pull a Richard Jefferson here? Because I wanted to chop it, but I think I'm going to drop it. But I'm glad Dame knows himself better than everybody else. You're supposed to know that, okay? But I will say this to Dame. I'm glad he got his lettuce, but I still wish he would have got out of Portland. I think he was in the same position as Kevin Garnett when he left Minnesota. Nobody would have looked at him any differently, but I think now he has to stay in Portland because he has preached too much publicly about loyalty and 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 staying in the in the in the in, the, in uh, committed and getting it out the mud and all that. So he has to stay there. Otherwise, he's gonna look he's gonna to be contradicting themselves. All right, so from Lillard to Wall. Uh, these are John Wall's first comments since officially signing with the Los Angeles Clippers. Take a listen. <laughs> I don't have to be Batman every night for us to win. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for me is like, this point in my career, I don't want to have to be the Batman every night to try to win. You know what I mean? On our team that we have, I think anybody can be Batman. For me, I'm happy because I don't have to have the best player guarding me every night like I have my whole career. I got You tell me the third best defender going to have to guard me. Good luck. So on a team that already has a Batman and a Robin, who do the Clippers need Wall to be, Brian? Alfred? I mean, uh, I will say he hasn't been Batman in a few years, so that wasn't really an option at this point. But I will say that, you know, he was able to not only pick a team where he has a high degree of success possibility, low downside, he got all his money he got all his money. He took a $6 million buyout and signed for $6 million back. I don't think many people thought he was going to get all his money and get out of Houston. So you got to give props to him and uh, and for working that out. Perk? Mm. I, I, I will say this. John, before he could be Alfred, he got to make sure he beat Reggie Jackson out of that starting spot first. Because remember what T. Lou said, they got they got to compete to see who's going to be the starting point guard. But I still, whether he's starting or not, he's still going to bring something unique to the table. And again, the Clippers have so much firepower, so much depth at the wing position, he's going to flourish well with the way that he plays the game of basketball. Well, speaking with Ty Lue out in Las Vegas, I know he feels good about his squad this year. All right, lastly, Perk, take a listen to what John Morant had to say when he was asked about playing in Michael Jordan's era. I heard he was like, like just how he, you know, go about the game, you know, just that mindset he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to, you know, play against him. You know, yeah, this time you're not saying, I would have cooked a... I would have cooked them, too. <laughs> you would have cooked Michael Jordan? Man, I, nobody got more confidence than 12. Perk, chop it or drop it. Uh, I, man, look, I want to hear what y'all got to say. Listen, because the, the, the way I'm taking this right now is, too, is Jai is both confident and crazy. Okay, so I, I want to chop it because I want to hear what you got to say, Malika, and I want to hear what Wendy got to say. Brian? With my Jordan, 
the Jordan the Jordan face on the Last Dance. That's what that that's what that does. Hey, Ja couldn't even say that with a straight face. He knew it was he knew it was so ridiculous that he couldn't even say it without laughing. So props to him, but even he knows. Even he knows that's not true. But look, it doesn't matter because it's never going to happen. Yeah. So look, he can say anything. Josh right. Chutzpah is what it, the Grizzlies, that, that's the energy that they have. And that's the energy that they need to have, particularly in a very tough Western Conference. Um, coming up, though, on NBA Today, it's Paolo versus Chet tonight in Vegas. Prior to the top two picks going head-to-head, I sat down with the number one pick. That's next. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. Te quieres banquero? Porque yo quiero banquero. I, I'm sorry, it's so easy. I had to. Banquero, yo quiero. All right, Paolo Banquero was rightly regarded as one of the most NBA-ready prospects heading into last night's draft, last month's draft, rather. And of all the tools in his bag that were on display over the course of the weekend in Vegas, and some of the player comps that jumped off the screen, I mean, you got to see this. Paolo's high-level footwork and ability to score, it was obvious, right, during his freshman season at Duke. But this turnaround jumper from Banquero, it stirred up plenty of conversation on Twitter for how eerily similar it was to one of the greatest scoring forwards of all time, one Mr. Carmelo Anthony. And then the facet of Paolo's game that was arguably even more impressive, it was his playmaking. I mean, he was averaging six assists a game, doubling the 3.2 he averaged at Duke. And then this crossover pass? I mean, that crockhorse pass? All right. That looks a little bit like something we saw from LeBron James. And arguably, the biggest play that Ben Caro made over the weekend was the game-saving block in sudden death. And this block, it kept the magic alive and showed Ben Caro's prowess on both ends of the court. And I sat down with Paolo this weekend to talk about him and his mindset heading into his first summer league. Ben Caro with another little bit of room service at the other end. Okay. We're in Vegas, so we'll take some showtime. He'll be here all week. Here with the number one pick, Paolo Bancaro. And, and Paolo, we're sitting here in Las Vegas. What did you come to Summer League wanting to accomplish? Um, Just win first off. You know, I've been saying all week we're trying to win every game. Um, but really just feel it out, you know, feel the NBA game out, what works, what's not working. Um, and then just get myself back playing, you know. It's been a while since I've played, so just getting back in playing shape and uh, having fun. I want to go back to draft night for a moment, if we could. A lot of the mock drafts, they had you going two or three, and then you hear your name called number one overall. What was the feeling in your stomach as you were sitting there when the commissioner said the pick is in, and then it was your name? Yeah, no, it was uh, uh, just overwhelmed with emotions, you know. I've never cried tears of joy, and I didn't. I was telling everyone I wouldn't, um, but as soon as it happened, I just literally couldn't control it. Uh, it was a moment I'll never forget and uh, definitely just a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. To what degree do you feel other top prospects when they're going up against you trying to sort of prove themselves in that matchup? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to get everybody's best shot. Hey, here I am, Zay. He's got a check, Pompero here. That's a problem. That's a big-time problem. But I'm going to give them my best shot as well. You know, I have a chip on my shoulder. Like you said, I was number three in the mock draft, so that carried my – that was my chip all throughout, you know, pre-draft, you know, was, was being number three. Um, and I still have that chip, you know. I just want to go out there and prove, you know, why I'm the uh, number one pick every game. Is there any player that you're most looking forward to playing against in the NBA? Um – yeah, I would just say all the all the elite forwards, whether it's LeBron, Tatum, 
Anthony Davis, Giannis, just all those guys, you know, those are the guys that, you know, you use the summer league and training camp to get ready for is playing yeah. against those guys. When the schedule comes out, are you going to be circling those games, looking at which dates you're going to be playing those gentlemen? Definitely. We'll take a good look at the schedule when, when it first comes out, you know, just to see, you know, because, I mean, the NBA, every game is going to be a matchup. Yep. You know? So it's just looking, okay, I got this guy this night, and the next night I got this guy. So it's like, you know, you just got to be ready. Lastly, fill in the blank for me if you could. My rookie year will be a success in my eyes if blank. If I just affect, you know, the magic in a winning way, you know, we have a much better season than last year. Thank you. Inside, Terry. People love to come watch play. People love to play with. Just a guy who attracts everyone. You know, just my game's fun to watch, and you know, everyone wants to you know see me play. We can't wait to see it in the NBA, Paolo. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bencaro will be in action tonight on NBA 2K23 Summer League triple header and that starts at 7 o'clock Eastern. You can see Ben Matherin and Keegan Murray and then you can see the, play, the Pacers and the Kings. Paolo Bencaro, Chet, they face off next as the Magic, they play the Thunder. All three games can also be seen on the ESPN app. Coming up, on NBA Today, the WNBA celebrated its All-Stars yesterday while also calling for Brittany Griner's release. So full highlights, that's after the break. WNBA All-Star Weekend. The game was actually yesterday in Chicago and Brittany Griner was announced as an honorary starter. You can see in the building here. And then Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles are making their last all-star appearances. And, I mean, Fowles made sure hers was memorable. This is the second quarter. All right, forces the turnover on the other end. Oh, with the dunk. She said that with her chest. It, look, both benches are clearing. I hope no one was given a tech for that. But, my goodness, slamming it down with authority. And, and, and take a listen to Candace Parker's reaction. Yo, yo, yo. So you're not retiring. She said, you're not going anywhere. So this is later in the second. Kelsey Plum in transition. Gets out. Ooh, a little behind the back. Fancy finish for Kelsey Plum. And then the end of the half. Oh, no. She just dropped her. She wasn't shaking, though. It's all good. So both teams, they came out of the second half wearing jerseys with Griner's name and number 42 on them, showing their support for Griner. Remember, she continues to be detained in Russia, going through that trial. So with 2.10 to play, Bird gets subbed out one last time for a standing ovation. Candace hyping up the crowd. Bird with just a great send-off in her final All-Star appearance. And in the final seconds of the game, Plum just capping off an already strong night. Pulls up. Ooh, the four-point shot logo to seal the game. She wins MVP. 
and do a little dance to celebrate. So here's our next WNBA game, and it should be a great one. Asia Wilson and the Aces, they're in Connecticut to take on John Paul Jones and the Sun. Las Vegas is the top team in the West, and the Sun are the second in the East. Sunday, 1 Eastern on ABC and the ESPN app. This is the best thing that I saw all weekend long. We'll explain or attempt to what exactly is going on here. NBA Today will be back in 60 seconds. Hey, what's going on? I'm Richard Jefferson, and we are at NBA Summer League. We are at referee training. More to come. Our guest here, uh, Rich, stand up for me, please. Thank you. Richard Jefferson is here with the ESPN. The next one, he's going down. Okay, be ready for those things. Rich was the absolute best at the play I'm about to describe for you. You're gonna laugh at this because we have an argument again. This has been one of the most eye-opening things I've ever been a part of. Like on the basketball side because they don't ever teach us. It's still like, hey guys, it's the point of emphasis for the day, but you don't realize how they get to the point of emphasis, how things are called. So I just want to tell you guys I appreciate you guys and what you guys do, and I look forward to it, all right? So tonight, our own Richard Jefferson, he's going to officiate the second quarter Knicks-Blazers game after attending daily NBA Summer League officiating meetings in Las Vegas. Perk, you're giving him a round of applause. What do you think? I, I, I am. This is a proud little brother moment. You know why? I mm. love it when people step outside of their comfort zone. And you know what? I'm happy for Richard because a lot of people, a lot of former players wouldn't want to do this or yeah. wouldn't do it or want to do it. But, Absolutely. But would be afraid what other people have to say. Guess what? I'm going to be tuned in watching my boy RJ do his thing. Will you be tuned in, Brian? <laughs> I'm so happy for RJ to be doing this and showing awareness about this. NBA officials are the best in the world. It's an imperfect mm -hmm. job. Yeah. Nobody works harder or is reviewed harder or drilled harder. You have no idea what goes, how much time the NBA officials spend training and evaluating their work. Yeah. And every day get chewed nope. out and told how they messed up. And I'm glad RJ is showing uh, you know, you know, America, the side that we all don't see. And and he went to five days worth of ref school. It started, you know, it was seven, eight, nine mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning. He spent many hours working to do this. He tweeted about his officiating cameo tonight. Why do this? Tremendous amount of knowledge about our game that I've learned sitting in the classes with the best refs in the world. And number two, I do this because many people, it's what Perk said, they wouldn't dare put themselves in this position. The more info I have, the more informed I am as a broadcaster. And so, Richard, I know we give you a lot of crap, mm. but we are rooting for you tonight. I cannot wait to watch you in this role. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the other person that's really easy to root for and that I've watched this video 17 times, Perk, can you do the dance that Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP, he is doing uh, here. I tell you what, if I got paid 300 million, I'd do the <laughs> dance. Look at him. Look at him. Hey, ESPN, can we make that happen? Because, I mean, this is just excellent. <laughs> I, the, the, the middle of the dance floor, I, I just, I love it, Brian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, team hey, wag body. That's not Go the highlight Jokic. of the summer. The highlight of the summer is the contract. <laughs> he said team wag body. Yeah. That's going to do it for NBA Today. Good luck, Richard. All of us will see you tomorrow.